I'm Jeff Eichler. And I'm Kirsten Rickert. And we are the hosts of the Getting Unstuck podcast, a part of the Education Podcast Network. Shows on the network are individually owned and opinions expressed may not reflect others. Find other interesting education podcasts at edupodcastnetwork.com. Hey, welcome back. Steve here. And today I'm talking with Michael Artiberry, who is the executive director of Youth Voices Center Incorporated and the creator of the Power of Peace program, a dynamic motivational speaker and the author of Be Encouraged, 250 Days of Motivation and Encouragement. Such incredible energy. Lots to learn. Thanks for listening. Don't forget to share and subscribe. Enjoy. You are listening to Teaching, Learning, Leading K-12, a podcast for educators, helping you help kids achieve their dreams. And now here's Steve with this week's show. Michael Arterberry is the Executive Director of Youth Voices Center Incorporated and the creator of the Power of Peace program, a dynamic motivational speaker and the author of Be Encouraged, 250 Days of Motivation and Encouragement. As a teenager, Michael was fortunate to receive guidance from positive adult role models who helped him overcome adversities and set high expectations for his future. Grateful for the role these mentors played in his own development, Michael decided to dedicate his professional life to helping people navigate the difficulties of life and launch their future into motion. In founding YVC, Youth Voices Center, in 2008, Michael drew heavily on his understanding and empathy for the pressures and difficulties of the teenage years. In addition to his own experiences growing up in poverty, Michael has worked with thousands of teens in a range of settings over the past 24 years as a social worker and counselor. Michael decided to form Youth Voices Center while working on the Alternative Violence Project, or AVP, in Greenhaven Correctional Facility. Serving as a counselor in AVP, Michael was impressed by the progress of inmates who entered the program with plenty of hesitation and resistance and left the program raving about how much it transformed their perception of themselves and others. Realizing the power of this type of experiential program, Michael founded YVC and launched the Power of Peace program to transform the lives of youth. In 2010, Michael was selected to receive a USA Network Characters Unite Award given to individuals who demonstrate exceptional commitment to combating prejudice and discrimination while increasing tolerance and acceptance within their community. In 2014, he was the recipient of the 100 Men of Color Award for Leadership and Education, Government, Mentorship, Entrepreneurial Success, and Community Service. And in 2016, Michael was awarded the Educator of the Year Award from YCOP, the Youth Community Outreach Program in Mount Vernon. Michael is also the subject of his wife's book, God Was Holding My Hand, in which Rachel Arterberry chronicles his journey of coming to know the Lord, spanning from his tumultuous childhood to a college football injury that turned into spinal cord surgery. Michael becomes self-aware that God was holding his hand each step of the way. Michael, thanks for being with us today. Say hi to everyone. Hey, how you doing? How you doing? I'm very happy to be here, and I'm very happy to have this opportunity to speak and talk to your audience. Well, we're glad that you're here, and I'm excited to, to talk with you. We got, uh, you got a lot of great things going, and, and what I want to do is let's start about talking about you. Uh, who was Michael Arterberry as a teenager? I mean, what did you like? What did you do? Well, you know, to start you off talking about myself, Stephen, I want to start with a story, um, and it's about a farmer and a donkey, all right? And this donkey is like one of his favorite farm animals because after he works on the farm with the donkey, he brings the donkey back to the house. And he has some kids and the kids come out the house and they come out and they play with the donkey. 
they wash them, they ride them, you know, and then when the night's over, they, the farmer sends them back out in the farm. He comes in, he has dinner and they continue on with their evening. So one night he comes in, he brings the donkey home. The kids play with the donkey. He sends them back out to the farm. But when he comes out the next morning, Stephen, he's not there. He whistles for him and the donkey doesn't come. So the farmer is upset about this. So he starts to walk around the farm trying to find him. And finally, he hears him making noise from the bottom of an empty water well. And when he gets over to the water well, he looks down and obviously he wants to get him out. So he goes to get six of his friends and they side, decide to get him out. They're going to use some rope. So they all get some rope and they start to lasso this donkey. They throw the rope, they miss. They throw the rope, they miss. They finally throw it by his hind legs. He steps into the rope. They shimmy it up his body and they start to pull. They pull the donkey moves. They pull the donkey moves. They pull the donkey moves. Then all of a sudden the donkey stops moving, Stephen, because he was too heavy. When they realized that he was too heavy, they lowered him back to the bottom of the well. And now the farmer has to make a grim decision. Now see, the farmer can't feed him food from his family at the bottom of the well because that doesn't make any sense. He couldn't really starve him because in his mind, this was more like a pet, so he really didn't want to starve him. One of his hot-headed friends says, you know what, why don't you just shoot him? And the farmer says, that's too violent. One of his more reasonable friends says, listen, you don't want your kids to fall into the well, so let's get some shovels. We're gonna shovel some dirt and bury the donkey. You're gonna have to sacrifice your donkey, but your kids will be safe. And the farmer decided that he can deal with that. So they start shoveling the dirt, and every time the dirt would hit that donkey, Stephen, he would scream. Every time he would scream, it would cause the farmer some distress. Dirt, scream, dirt, scream. Then all of a sudden, the scream stopped. When the scream stopped, they gave the donkey a moment of silence. But then they continued on their mission. Dirt, 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 dirt. And next thing you know, you see the donkey's right ear. So they start shoveling faster. The next thing you know, you see half his body. They keep shoveling faster. And Stephen, that donkey walked right out of the well that he fell into. Now, every time that dirt came across the wall, it would fall on his back and he would shake it off and he would step on it. And he used every scoop of dirt that was meant to kill him to save his life. So when you ask me who I was as a kid, Stephen, I grew up in a home with an alcoholic dad and I have to put raging alcoholic in front of it because this man raged from the time I was born until I was 16 and he died when I was 16. And so living, growing up in that environment was, was always living in a place of what I call unbalanced. You know, I remember being in kindergarten and looking at kids playing with blocks. And I'm actually saying as a kindergartner, I wonder if those kids go home to the same situation that I do. On top of living with the raging alcoholic father, I lived in poverty. You know, my mother didn't have much money. She was a housekeeper. She cleaned homes. I had three other siblings, but my dad's money went to his drinking. My mother's money went to raising four kids. So we didn't have much growing up. My neighborhood was crazy. So it had like the, the, the winos on the street. You know, there was, there was a lot of dysfunctional families, drugs. And so really my life growing up was all that chaos, but there's a silver lining to it, Stephen, is I found sports and I found sports at a very young age. And that's who 
Mike Arterbury, Michael Arterbury is. I am Joe Athlete, and I dove into those sports at the age of eight, and I played basketball, baseball, football, and soccer from the age of eight until I graduated high school. So the sports was what enabled me to live in that chaos, but not succumb to it. Gotcha. That's and it, when you started with that story with the donkey, I was a little wondering where we were going with that. I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> I'm happy the donkey survived. So, <laughs> so you and I, I like that. Uh, that's a heck of a story because you came out of that and you found the sports, and that I'm guessing the sports are your, you know, was your uh, savior there, and that's uh, that's awesome. What uh, did you did you like one over the other? The sports, you know. Um, to be very honest with you, I loved them all. I loved them all, but um, I picked football only because football was the most popular. I'm 52, so uh, coming up during my time, you know, the other sports wasn't as popular. So uh, right. I went with the one that was the most popular, and football was that. But I was equally good. If you allow me to brag, Stephen, I could have went Division One awesome. for all four sports once I graduated high school. Awesome. Yeah. You can, you can tell it like it is, man. That's I uh, don't, don't hold back. Cause I love that. Cause I, and I, and what I want to do before we, you know, as we talking about this in, in a recent interview, I heard you say that when you played football, you prepared in the off season so that when it was time to start camp, you were already in shape and, you know, and you tell a story about how lots of, lots of other guys wouldn't do that. It, you know, where did that come from? How did you make that part of you, especially knowing um, at what you grew up in, in your environment? You know, I think growing up in that environment and um, the person that I am, it's, it's in my DNA and it's discipline. You know, I'm a very disciplined person and I was a disciplined person growing up. And, you know, I'll never forget my first awards dinner. I got an MVP. Now, I had no idea what an MVP trophy was about, Steve, but I know I knew that it was an extra trophy that you got over all the other kids. So I'm like, wow, if you're the best, you get the extra trophy. And you know what? It stayed with me my entire life. So that story I talk about with camps is the fact that I always wanted to be the best. And I know and fully understand that to be the best, you have to be the best prepared. And so what I would do is my, my teammates would come into training camp and they would use the two weeks of training camp to get in shape for the season. Whereas when I walked in the door for that first day of practice, I could have walked on the field and played my first game. I love it. I love it. That's, uh, you know, in a lot of things that we do as adults too, you know, we run into to people who, who, come, who don't come prepared for things and they, they have to take time to get ready. And I, I just love that, that that was – that was something that you recognized early on. And, uh, and I think that come, comes and plays into what you t have to say to young people today. So, and, and, and that's where I want to segue now, because, you know, you've worked with thousands of young people over the years. What do you like most about working with kids? You know, what I like is the fact that, um, first of all, is my connection. You know, I think that I've been gifted with the ability to connect not only to young people, but to adults as well. It's just part of who I am. And so the, 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 the top of the list is making the connection. But once I get through the connection, it's when you talk to a young person and you start to see that they're understanding what you're saying. So like the light bulb goes off. So you get a little excited, you make the connection, you get excited when the light bulb goes off. But no, the best part 
is when the light bulb goes off and they follow through, see? See, they follow through, they listen to what you had to say, and then they go on and they're able to change their lives. You know, that, that's, that's the best thing. And so when you say I work with thousands of young people, I have, and so I have multiple, multiple stories of where a young person came to me. And when I got them, they were raw. But by the time we finished doing our work, they were able to grasp and maintain the things that I've said and use it to apply to their lives. That's awesome. You know, there's, there's nothing better than that, that light bulb moment. That's, uh, I think when you talk with any adult who works with kids, they, they're going to say something about, you know, that, that's so cool when that happens. And that's, that's, that's neat uh, to hear you say that. So, you, you know, Michael, per- perseverance seems to be a part of who you are. How do you inspire you? I, I, you know, when the road gets rough and others may want to quit, it sounds like I'm singing a song here. <laughs> you know, how, how do you keep how do you keep going? You know, let me tell you something. Um, failure was not an option for me. You know what I'm saying? And I think that that was instilled by what I was going through in my home. And so I knew that if I was going to be able to break that cycle, that I was going to have to be successful because if I were to fail. I would fall into the same routine of what I came from. So when I put failure as not an option on the table, that's how I function. That's part of that discipline and part of that preparation, you know, but you know, what I've learned as I've gotten older, you know, um, is nobody told me the donkey story, but somewhere in my mind, that story was relevant and I played it out. So anytime something would come, I would shake it off and I would keep pressing towards my goal. But what I learned older and like in my older age, Stephen, is the fact that the will of a man is powerful. The will of a man is powerful. And I share a story with my young people about this father who was on his deathbed and he, 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 his son called him and he, he, his son was like, dad, you got to hold on until I get there. And the dad said, listen, I'm going to make it. Just make sure you get here. And this son traveled to see his father in the hospital. And this guy was, the father was dying. But don't you know, he fought death. He fought death, Stephen, until the son came through the door, kissed and hugged him, said a few words, and he died. And so what I mean by failure is not an option is my will just doesn't allow me to fail. And that's what I try to pass on to my young people. You know, I try to allow my energy and what I've gone through to spill out and spill over into their lives with our interactions. That's that's so awesome because, you know, in, in, in our world, it's easy for young people to get to the point uh, and not just young people. I mean, in, in our age bracket, too, just you know, all the, you know, there's sometimes it just seems like there's so many things that uh, it you have to overcome to, to get beyond, to take one more step forward that it gets easier to take two steps backwards. And, yeah. uh, and, and I love what you're talking about there. Have you, have you ever worked with some kids who just seem like they're a little bit more difficult to get to than others in trying to get them to see this, that you can. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, and I've had, unfortunately I've had unsuccessful stories, but they always kind of work out. You know, I believe that everything happens for a reason. Um, so I had one kid that I worked with, um, and he was brilliant, but he was a street kid. So one day I said to him, I said, you know what, either you're going to be 
a CEO, or you're going to go to prison. And when I said this to him, Stephen, he cried. Big, tough guy. And when he cried, I was like, wow, I felt bad because I didn't say it to make him feel bad. He took it that I said that he was going to go to jail. He didn't even hear the CEO part. But I kept telling him this. And then one day he left. He stopped coming to my group. And I'll never forget, he didn't like coming to school. And I was at an alternative high school in his town. And when I was coming out of the alternative high school during the school day, he's sitting up on the wall. So I can see him look at me. And I know the first thing that went through his mind was, wow, he told me that if I didn't do right, I was gonna go to prison. Now he wasn't in jail, but he was sitting on that wall and sitting on that wall was, was an example of the fact that he wasn't following through and doing what he had to do. So, you know, yeah, I, I get some that are not, not uh, able to uh, take the information and apply it. But, you know, I learned in my social work career because I went to school for social work, um, is you, not everybody's gonna come along, you know? Not everybody's gonna come along, so yes. Yeah, sometimes you gotta f fight whatever's that, that thing that's inside them that says, I'm not doing it. And yeah. <laughs> they gotta learn that, that love, tough, tough lesson there. So, you know, let's, let's come into the modern world. You're a motivational speaker, an author, and someone who is dedicated to helping others do better. You know, why do you do this? And by the way, do you have a favorite message that you like to share? You know, um, the reason why I do it is my story created the space. You know, um, you know, when I talk about the donkey story, um, what's, what's magnificent about it is the fact that if you look at my life on paper, there's no way in the world that I should be doing what I do today. So my passion comes from the fact that when I see a person, I see the beauty. I'm able to see the gems. And so my, my energy goes towards helping them enlighten those good parts. You know what I'm saying? Um, so that they're able to have the success that I've had uh, myself. You know, I'm a firm believer that we can come from something, but we don't have to become it. You know, I was able to grow up in, a, in, in an environment, but I never allowed it to seep into who I was as a person. And so, you know, when I motivate people, I like to let them know, and it doesn't have to be growing up in the ghetto. It could be any type of um, toxic place you've come from. You know, because you've been there doesn't mean that you, um, that you have to stay there, you know. And something that I always like to share with people, a message is the fact that uh, be the driver of your car, not the passenger of your car. You know what I'm saying? Um, and, you know, that's part of my program. We'll talk about that a little later. So I'll tell you the tag. We re remember the tag. I'll bring you back to the tag when we talk a little bit more about my program. But be the driver of your car, not the passenger of your car, Steve. Awesome. And I'm looking forward to that because I've heard you on the video and I can't, I can't wait to hear some more of you live here. So this is awesome. So, right. you, you know, before we talk about Youth Voices Center, I'm, I really want to know about the step before that, which is uh, uh, you, you were part of the program called Alternative Violence Project. Can you talk about that? Yeah, so listen, this is a crazy story, but a woman came to my job to do um, a personal 
like like uh, a training day with my staff. I was a social worker. I was working for a nonprofit organization. She came in and she started to do these activities. So while she's doing the activities, I'm watching her work the room and I'm like, this stuff is powerful. So I go up to her after it's over and I say to her, I said, listen, I want to get trained in this method. So she says to me, because I'm, you know, young and kind of stupid, but uh, she says, on the inside, we do it once a month. And on the outside, we do it um, every three to four months. So I'm, I'm still not picking up on that language. So she has me fill out paperwork. I fill out the paperwork. I send it to an address. They send me where to go to get training. And Steve, I drive to the, my so-called training site and I pull up to the outside of a maximum security prison. Uh -oh. <laughs> and so I'm, I'm in the parking lot and I'm like, wait a second, this thing is taking a real right turn. So now, I'm, now it's starting to come to me inside, outside. And I'm like, oh man, this is what she meant. So I sat in the parking lot and I contemplated and finally I said, I'm going to go for it. And I went inside and I uh, had to get an orientation. And AVP is a program that they do in prison. Um, and it's intense. You're, you're, in, you're in the prison for 30 hours, but you come out at night. And so you're there all day and you're doing these different activities with these prisoners. And I'm watching these men freaking, they're just they're evolving and they're dealing with their issues. And so I had my social work degree. I had my story growing up, and now I had this program, which is volumes and volumes of different activities. And so what I did is I came home, I came out, and I said, I'm going to create my own uh, curriculum. So I took my experience from AVP, um, I molded it with my social work background, the education, and my upbringing, and I took some of their stuff, but then I, I customized and put my own twist on it. And that's what I use for the basis of creating my youth development program, which I call um, Power of Peace. Awesome. Awesome. I, I got to ask you this. I, I went to, I had a friend of mine who was uh, in charge of a education uh, program that was within a high security facility in, in a, pr a prison. And right. uh, he, he said, you got to come by and see me sometime. So I said, all right, I'll do that. And he said, now when you get here, he goes, just leave everything but your car keys in the car because they're going to take it all from you. I said, what? And he's like, he's like, yeah, just leave it all in the car. So I go there. That was a little disturbing <laughs> when you, yeah, you give your yeah. keys and you're inside and you're like, yeah, okay. Yeah, you do yeah. know I don't belong here, right? I'm not supposed to stay. <laughs> well, listen, if you, you said I can keep it real, let me tell you something. Um, it was, it was a little, it was a little sketchy for me. One, because being, I'm, I'm going to be honest, being a, a black a African-American man, um, the correction officers weren't always so nice to me because I was almost like a reflection of the guys that were in there. So when you say, you know, when you're leaving, you want to leave, there were times where these guys gave me a hard time, Steve. Wow. They gave me a really hard, yeah, they did. They gave me a really hard time. But yeah, when you go in, you you go in and Luckily, I didn't have to do the, the, the searches that they do for the visitor visitors, but I made sure that I was, I was, you know, I had b barely anything for them to, 
take from me. Yes. So I get what you're saying. <laughs> it's, a, it's a little strange feeling there. That's kind of like, yeah, it yeah, is. Yeah. yeah. And, and then to be hassled on the way back out, that would not be fun. That would, no, no, yeah, no, no, it's <laughs> not. I just want to go home. Yeah. Just, just let me back out. All right. We, we, I came in easy. We go out easy. All right. We're good. We're, yeah, <laughs> that, um, that's for sure. You know, so let's, let's, let's start talking now about the mission of the Youth Voices Center, and if you could make sure that you explain the Power of Peace workshops that you do. All right, so um, my, my nonprofit Youth Voices Center, um, my mission is improving the quality of life of young people. And what I mean by that is, is, of course, it's founded in who I am as a person. And so what I want is no matter what type of background a young person comes from, I want them to live a quality life. And I feel that they have, um, they have the opportunity to be able to do that. So, you know, with my program, my, the nonprofit came because of the success of the program, all right? So I had to create the nonprofit so that I'm able to give funds to move forward to do the program. But um, Power of Peace is um, two levels, uh, two days for each level. So you gotta imagine. Um, and when I come to you, Let's say you're a principal. I come to you, we sit in your office, and what I ask for when I come is I ask for 25 to 30 students that make up the population of your building. I ask for a cross-section. So I want white, black, Latino, honor roll, struggling student, and I put them in a room for two full days, and we do everything in a circle. And what I do over the two-day period, I start with my donkey story, I show them a house that I grew up in, which looks abandoned if you look at it from the outside. And then I show them the home that I live in now so they get to see my journey. But over the two-day period, I run them through experiential um, activities that gives them the opportunity to walk back in their lives and see what their story is about. Now, see, when they walk back in their lives and see what their story is about, what they start to find out is that they may have stepped on some landmines in the process of growing up and they've, they've, they've had some damage and they don't realize that there's been some damage. And what's been going on in their lives is they've been making decisions based on the damage that occurred in their life. And so it's playing into making bad decisions or like I said earlier, it's driving their car and see what we do is we talk a lot about affirmation and, and, and being in control of their thoughts. And so what I do is I have them walk through their lives, understand that what people say to them, like a parent or their peers, or if they've gone through um, a horrific situation in their lives, if they don't process it properly, then it becomes the driver of their car. So they get to self-reflect, but at the same time, Stephen, they get to build community. And you and I both know when you deal with schools, you have cliques, you have groups. And so now you have students that are sitting in a room that would never ever talk to each other. And it is magnificent to see the community built because what's gonna happen is they leave my room and now they go back into the building and then the other students get to see them um, after they've gone through the process. That's, that's awesome. Cause you're right. You know, you bring kids like that together and, and, and I would think at first you have to, 
I mean, I, I'm pretty sure I'm understating this, but you're having to come overcome whatever they're, uh, whatever they put in front of them to say, yeah, yeah, yeah. You, I'm just here because they made me be here or, or, uh, someone sent me this room or whatever. And, uh, and then you eventually going to grow them into that community. I mean, is that right? I mean, you run into the, well, no, kind of no, what happens, no, what, what happens is this. So, the way I created the program, like I said, it's, it's that social worker, kid from the ghetto, AVP mind, is, is each activity is built where it peels back a layer slowly so that they don't get, first thing I do is by telling them my story, I kind of get naked right out the gate. So they're, they're like, wow, this guy is not some guy that just got an education. He's, he's a real, real dude in their terms. But then what I do is the activities are built. So let me tell you. So let me just explain one of the powerful activities. And this is usually when the groups come together. We start with affirmation and I talk about being the driver of their car. But then I do this activity I call concentric circles, Stephen. And what I do is I have an inside circle and then I have an outside circle. And I give them five different subjects that they're going to talk to their partner with but then I rotate them five times so they speak to five different people. The first one is someone you respect. The second one are qualities you look for in a friend. The third one is if you had the power to change something in the world, what would it be? The fourth one is uh, a time you felt most hurt by someone you trusted. And the five, fifth one is um, a time you lost someone you really cared about. They sound pretty random, but if you listen to them, they pick up pace and they get deeper as each one goes. We go around the circle. We do the five different questions. Now they're talking to kids they never spoke to before. And this is done the first morning that they get into the group. Let me tell you something, Stephen. I pull them back into the group, in the circle, and I start to debrief that. And all I say once it's finished is I stop. And I say, do you guys feel that? And you feel the shift, Stephen. Because you know what they've done? They've become transparent, which is not normally okay for a teenager. And not only is it not only okay for a teenager, they just became transparent with strangers. And see, what I explained to them is that we walk around this earth and we look at people as if they're faces. See, they came into the room, they sat in a circle, they looked around the circle, and all they saw were 25 faces. But after they complete that activity, each one of those faces become people. And when a face becomes a person, it changes the way you look at them. And from that point forward, when you talk about resistance, you could throw it right out the window, Stephen. We rocking and rolling. That's awesome. I love it. And you kind of give me shivers right now. This is cool. <laughs> I love it when you see that change happen when they start you know, they, they start wanting to interact and wanting to do, and it sounds, it, I, I love that. Awesome stuff. Yeah, you know, one of the things I want to make sure, this is a good point to talk about this. You've written a book, and it's called Be Encouraged, 250 Days of Motivation and Encouragement. Why should a listener want to go get a copy right now? Wow. Um, first and foremost, my story alone. You know, I, I think getting the book, my, my book is an extension of me, and I think that, if you heard me speak and you had this interview, listen to this interview, um, you could actually read a page. And as you read the page, you'll feel my energy and my thought process jump off the page. 
Um, second, I think that when you talk about blessings and curse, curses, you know, there, there's things that I've gone through in, in my life, in my book, that hopefully I went through it so that you don't have to go through it. So when you read a page and you get some of that advice, you may be in the middle of it. So you'll be able to navigate and make decisions that can properly bring you out standing on your feet. You know what I'm saying? And for, last but not least, I think one of the big things, and I just said it with the young people, is we, we are products of our thought lives. What we think about ourselves and what we feel about ourselves will produce the person that we reflect on the world. And so I'm big on getting people to a place where you have the ability to not feel that you have to get validation from somebody else. And when you get to a point where you don't have to be validated by another person, it's powerful, Steve. You know what I'm saying? Because you don't have to walk into a room and immediately say, where am I going to pull this strength from? You walk into a room, you're solid, you're 100%. And then anything you get from, you know, other people is just like icing on a cake. So, you know, that's, that's, that's why my book, I think, is powerful. Um, and so many times people buy it and, of course, give me feedback and they'll read a page and they're like, Michael, wow, you were reading my mind. But, you know, I've had a fruitful life, you know, fruitful in the sense of success, but I have to say fruitful in the sense of challenges. So, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm multi-layered. That's awesome. That's awesome. It just, it, I, I just, you know, it, right now you make me wonder why I'm not pursuing some of the things that I've put off. Ah, so. <laughs> I'm doing good work. That's yes, you are, man. yes, you are, man. Yes, you are. After we get finished, I'll make a note to myself. Okay, go take on the thing you're avoiding. Wait, yeah, yeah, you can do yeah, it, man. Yeah. I love it. The, uh, you know, Michael, tell everyone about your program, Shake the Dirt 2020. This, this is cool. I, I love what you do here, and uh, you, you got to share with them. Shake the Dirt 2020. All right. So, so it's Shake the Dirt Experience. All right. Shake the Dirt Experience. So what, what it is is um, I have an online course, it's 11 weeks. We meet for an hour, okay, each meeting once a week. And what I do is just like I do in the rooms with the young people, I, I, I take you back in your story and I allow you to start to piece it together and make sense of some of the things you've gone through. See, we get older, and like you said, we're making a note for yourself after this, this, this broadcast is over, but we, we don't realize that our lives have been based on this history and we still have so much of our lives to live that my Shake the Dirt course will take you back. If it doesn't change the way you move forward and attack your life, it allows you to make sense of the things that you've gone through. So again, even though it's virtual, what I do is I have the activities which I've put together that puts you in a place to have actually have to walk back. I call it feeling your history, feeling your dirt. I allow you to visit your past, but I don't allow you to stay there. And we use it as a catalyst to be successful. So, you know, it's called the shake your dirt experience. Um, but you know, there's another thing I'm working on and I'm, I'm thinking, I just want to tell you this because of your, your, your main audience is what I've been trying to do because you have a lot of administrators and teachers that listen to your broadcast 
is I want to do virtual, virtual assemblies, Stephen. See, my positive message, I can't physically get into a school building now, but I think during this, this COVID that, that it's needed where I can connect with the principal and be able to do like a Zoom or some type of a vehicle to speak to their student body to motivate them during this time so that they don't get to a place where they feel like this is wasted time, but that they can benefit from it. So the Shake the Dirt 2020 is my online course, but I'm trying to do different virtual things because, um, you know, um, I'm just trying to make the best out of this, out of this quarantine and lockdown. So hopefully I explained that well enough with the Shake the Dirt. Very much so. And, uh, and I think it is very much needed uh, the different uh, virtual uh, trainings that you can do and uh, to be able to, to, uh, to, to be able to have that audience with the kids to keep them focused on, you know, cause you know, if you listen, if you listen to the news, the sky is falling and uh, you know, <laughs> and it's never getting going to go back. If you listen, you know, if you go over and listen to the friends who have no, you know, who, who want to pull you down cause you're thinking you got a future, then they're telling you the sky is falling too. Don't listen to those guys. You know? And you know, and there's a little bit of negative everywhere you go. And in the, you know, and, and there's not a whole lot of positive TV shows out there. You're going to watch so much Netflix and, you know, and Hulu and all that sort of stuff. And, and, right. uh, and, and, you know, there's a lot of negative messages out there. And I think that uh, they would do, do good to hear that virtual messages, that, those virtual messages you have to deliver. I, I, I got to ask you a question. Uh, so where does Shake the Dirt reference come from? Where did, where did you, where, where, that, where did you bring that from? The donkey. The donkey. Oh, yeah. You know, the, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, the donkey. You know, the funniest thing. My, my Facebook does memories, so it'll send you something you posted years ago. And I could not remember where I got the donkey story from, Stephen, right? Right. So, but I, I, I tell it, let me tell you, I tell it before most of my podcasts. I tell it before every time I step on to a mic for uh, an audience, and I tell it in each one of my groups. And people love it. But I, I, what happened was is I saw a picture of a donkey at the bottom of a well on Facebook and my, my imagination ran away with me and I created the story. Awesome. So to shake the dirt comes from the story of the donkey. So that's why I call it the shake the dirt experience. Love it. That's awesome. That is so awesome. That's too cool. So good stuff, man. The, yeah, yeah. Okay, Michael, we're, we're, we're coming to the end. And before we go, if someone wanted to connect further with you, where would you send them? Um, they can come to my website, which is uh, michaelarterberry.com. And that's, that's for my motivational speaking, all right, for me to speak. On, on top of that, I have the nonprofit website, with his, which is Youth Voices Center. Dot org. And if they were to go to youthvoicescenter.org, there's a, um, a link where you can see the program in, in progress. So after me talking about this enlightening experience, I think it, it would be wise for someone to go to the website and s click on see it in action so they can put my words today um, and apply it to seeing the, the program actually functioning. Um, and then you have... Uh, the, the, you know, my, my, my social media pages, Facebook, which is my name, Michael Arterbury, um, LinkedIn, Michael Arterbury. Um, and then if they want the course, they have to go to shake the dirt dot com, shake the dirt experience dot com. 
Um, and I'll let your listeners know right now, because I'm feeling like I want to give back during COVID, my first 20 participants that sign up, I'm going to do, I'm going to do it on the house, Steven. I'm going to oh, do it nice. on the house. Yeah, I really feel like um, people need it. Like you said, people need it. Um, I'm not in a position to try to bleed a rock. And I really think it'll be nice that if I give people an opportunity to find some space, to find some clarity and some peace. So my first 20 um, people that sign up, we're going to get this group going and get it off the ground. Awesome. And kudos. And thank you so much for doing that. That's, that's awesome. So you heard him. And, and by the way, everyone, remember, I'll have all the uh, links in the show notes to every, th- every place that you can connect with Michael. I'll have his uh, website, I'll have the different websites, as well as his social media uh, connections there um, a- as well. So make sure that you, you reach out to him. And, uh, and, and I got last two questions, Michael, before we go. And they go like this. First one is, if you had a chance to talk with an audience of 100 high school juniors and their parents, what is one thing that you would make sure that you told them? Wow. One thing that I would tell them is that um, learn to live in the moment rather than looking too far ahead in your lives. I think what happens is we set goals. And when we set a goal, we focus so much on the goal that we miss the pleasure and the things we can learn and what I call the process on the way to the goal. So rather than looking so far to the future, you have to take each day, you know, as one day at a time, one moment at a time. And I think that when I started to do that on a personal level, my life became more colorful. You know, I was able to see things a lot better and um, my quality of life changed. Love it. Love it. Good, good message to hear. They, uh, yeah, last question. Do you have a teacher in your past who made a difference in your life? If so, who was it? And what would you say if given the chance to say thank you? You know, it's, it's amazing that you asked me that. And I, I can't say one, but I will tell you this. I never told anyone my story when I was growing up. Boy, did I want to. And it's part of the reason why I created my program, Power of Peace, because I want to give students a safe place to be able to tell their stories because I had to carry that on my own. But when you ask me about a specific teacher, I had a line of teachers that were able to pick up on the fact that there was something about me and they just gave me that little extra. And so as I look back over my life, for me to say one would be wrong. I have coaches that have coached me, teachers that have taught me. Um, but I, I use that as a catalyst to want to touch the lives of other young people because some of these people, if I didn't have them in my path, um, my life could have turned out and, and been a totally different way, Steve. Excellent. Thank you. Hey, it, Michael, this has been fun today. I've enjoyed talking with you. And before, before I close this out, I, I want to make sure that I, if, if a school, a school teacher, a, a school administrator wanted to reach out to try and talk with you about scheduling you, how, how do they go about doing that? To, just kind of walk them through that. Yes. Uh, come to uh, Youth Voices Center. Um, I have, send me an email there, youthvoicescenter.org. Um, once I get the email, we'll, we'll do a phone call. Um, and I travel, you know, I travel, so it doesn't matter where they're located as long as there's kids and and they have the ability to have me and want me. 
I will travel. Um, what I really would like is if there's any administrators um, or teachers that like what I've talked about and they go to my website and they, they, they would like it, I would love to do the virtual assemblies. Um, and also what I offer is the virtual course if they want to get more in depth with either the teachers or the students. So, but my website is the best place to get me, youthvoicescenter.org. Awesome. Thank you so much. Uh, Michael, thank you so much for talking with me today. You've taken, you have taken on such an incredible, amazing focus. You know, keep up the great work with your young people and uh, remember to check everybody. Remember to check out Michael's book, Be Encouraged, 250 Days of Motivation and Encouragement. Michael, wishing you the best in all you do. Thank you. Thank you very much, Stephen. Thank you for having me. Teaching Learning Leading K-12 is excited to be a member of Voice Ed Radio. Voice Ed Radio, your voice is right here. Teaching Learning Leading K-12 is a proud member of the Education Podcast Network. Podcasts for educators, podcasts by educators. The opinions expressed on Teaching Learning Leading K-12 are those of the guests and hosts. Teaching Learning Leading K-12 is intended to share ideas, advice, and suggestions for classroom teachers and school administrators. Teaching Learning Leading K-12 is produced for educational purposes. Thanks for listening, and I hope you'll share it with your friends.